Hello and welcome once again to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Rob Mendeika. With me, as always, my co-host, the Merc Zone, Mike Merkel. I'm right here. And, of course, the lovely, the brain, Emily Merkel. Howdy. All right, guys, let's let's talk about it here a little bit. First off, episode 11, right? We're feeling good off our monumental episode number 10, which you have if you haven't listened to it, make sure you do. We got some big news for you guys this week. We have officially become partners with two more podcasting streaming sites, both Stitcher and TuneIn Radio are now both on the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast bandwagon. So now that's right, folks. Now anywhere at all. We've always said for the longest time that we are on everywhere. Some of our fans let us know that we weren't on a couple of these more popular streaming sites. Well, no fear because now we are officially on there and we're getting tons of plays and everything else like that. So make sure if you guys, if that's your preferred method of listening and streaming, please be sure to subscribe to us on there because we are officially on there as of this week. We're going to be going over, guys, tons of great topics. We're going to be hitting the NBA trade deadline. We're talking analysis of the Super Bowl. We're talking halftime heat. We're talking national signing day and even some uh, post all-star game Red Wing talk, okay, guys? So we're going to be hitting all that in this week's episode. So let's do what we do best. Let's jump right in. We're talking, obviously, about the big game, Super Bowl 53, the New England Patriots 13, the Los Angeles Rams 3. Me and Mike were right on our predictions that the uh, Patriots would win, so go us. I want some money out of the deal, so thanks, Merkel Budzanowski family. (laughs) Um, Thoughts on the game, guys, because obviously I think this game, everybody came in and was like, this is going to be an interesting high-scoring matchup, and it was the complete opposite oh. of that. So, I'm going to start with you. What were your thoughts on the game uh, besides the Super Bowl snacks that you were enjoying that night? Oh, well, I wanted to talk about <laughs> my snacks, but uh, I thought—I mean, I thought it was a good game. I don't—I feel like, first of all, I thought the Patriots were going to win. Mm-hmm. I don't usually bet against them. That might be a thing I inherited from my fiance, but yep, um, damn right. <laughs> but I thought it was an okay game. Um, I didn't think just because it wasn't as high-scoring as you would expect the Rams and the Patriots to be. I think people were pretty disengaged. Mm-hmm. I know the halftime show got a little criticism, so I just think the whole game... I don't want to say it was a flop. I mean, it's cool because it adds to another Patriots win. Right. It's just kind of cool to see that dynasty continue, but... Right. Any Anything anything that you noticed as far as, as gameplay or anything that you were shocked by? I know we were talking as the game was going on, or even me and Mike were like, I just don't understand what... Like, both defenses seemed to really come to play that day, and you were just like, nothing's like, happening. You know, I know your dad was even saying, like, this game's boring, right? Mm-hmm. But... As me and Mike were sitting there, we're like, no, you don't understand. You're just waiting for that first domino to drop, mm-hmm. and it and it never really did. Drops. You know what I mean? Not till the very end where you're just like, I'm waiting for something mm-hmm. to happen, and then it kind of just ended. And we were like, okay, we can take a sigh yeah, of relief now, right? You know, it's just like, you know, relief. But, I mean, Mike, same question. Like, what did you think of the game, and, like, how did you – I mean, what were your thoughts going in? I mean, I thought it was insane that – people really don't like this game. Yeah. Because when you look at it, you go into the fourth quarter, and it's 3-3. Three to three. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess it's not 28-28, so it's not scoring. Mm-hmm. But you can't say, oh, it was so boring. Would you rather it be 48-0 to zero going into the right, fourth yeah. quarter? Another like, Seattle-Denver yeah, game yeah, where want, everyone's pissed. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you want another blowout? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm enticed with a 3-3 three to three game, and, you know, Tom Brady throws a pick six, and that game's completely different. Right. Or Coos catches one of the two passes, yep. and the game's different because Absolutely. you don't know if the Patriots are going to score. So that was, that the whole game altogether, um, I loved, actually. Yep. But um, one question for you is, yeah. 
where was Todd Gurley the whole game? And that's you know, and that's you know, that's a great point because when you look at the offensive game plan, and that kind of leads us to our next thought was, did the Rams overthink this? I think that over the past couple games, I think two things. Number one, obviously we talked in great length about how they kind of got lucky to get past the Saints, but. To your point, Mike, Todd Gurley was non-existent, right? No. And and he really, let's not say he was effective necessarily. He had a couple good runs. Yeah. But I think that the Rams, Sean McVay, and he even came out and said he was out coached. But I think that they overthought this game a little bit. I think they got in their own heads because going into a game against New England, you're thinking, okay, the biggest stage, the Super Bowl, Belichick's been here a million and four times. They know how to win this game. They've lost this game last year. You had more talent. The Rams mm-hmm. had more talent, right? At, at almost any position with the exception of probably one wide receiver slot because of Julian Edelman and the quarterback position. Everywhere else, for the most part, the Rams had it beat. Yeah. So from a, I think they overthought it, and I did not recognize that Rams offense no. that game. There was no misdirections. There mm-hmm. was no high like high profile passing there wasn't anything deep down the field for a good majority of that game yeah. they couldn't find any sort of rhythm mm-hmm. explain that to me because well, i i just felt like it was like they got scared and they just didn't they were playing not to lose well i i would agree with that 100% mm-hmm. but i actually have two things one i think Goff's play through the second half of the season has right. been atrocious. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I think when you throw more interceptions and touchdowns yep. through the last eight games or six games, including playoffs, I think that's a big key of well, usually near the ending, you see teams like like the Patriots, they start heating up. Right, they get and then better. They right. get better. Once the playoffs start, you hit peak Patriots. That's why they're bad in September as the Lions beat them in September. Right. But Right. And yeah, that's the thing, right? Yeah. You see teams like you see teams that start out fast that fade out in the end because they're not built to win late in games, right? Whereas like you're saying, New England, the complete opposite where we're gonna work some things out, but by the end we're, we're gonna be a full functioning machine ready to go. And one other thing with the Rams before we start talking a yeah. little bit about the Patriots is yeah. I think and this guy's not been brought up at all because mm-hmm. he's been hurt. But one guy I think they miss so much is Cooper Cup. Absolutely, he's I think his, if he's, his he's go-to. I think if he's there, mm-hmm. I think they I think they score a lot more mm-hmm. than they do. And I think it's actually I don't know if the I don't know if we're sitting here talking about the Patriots winning if Cooper Cup's there mm-hmm. because who guards Cooper Cup? Because right. they had Gilmore and they had both McCourty uh, brothers yep. doubling and playing good coverage on the two corners mm-hmm. or the two receivers they have. Right, there was nobody in the middle of the field yeah. to break that they open. Have, You're they right. have no tight end and they have no other third receiver right. that can really make plays. When Absolutely. you add Cooper Cup in there, they can go make plays. Then you have to start single coveraging guys, mm-hmm. and that's when Brandon Cooks can go one on one and beat somebody over the top or right. something. And what she did too, I, yeah. the Goff's play, and we talked about this before, and it maybe necessarily wasn't even on air, but where we were talking about how the Rams kind of limped into the playoffs a little bit. It's mm-hmm. not so much that they were well, they were losing games, but they weren't winning games the same way. And if you yeah. look even at the beginning, especially like that Lions game here to bring it a little more local. I mean, even Bill Belichick said they looked at what the Lions did as far as coverages and schemes, especially defensively, and we held them in check for three quarters, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at kind of those kind of scenarios where you say, all right, a team like the Lions, who was 6-10 and 10 at the end of the season, really were never in the playoff hunt to begin with, were able to kind of do some things and stifle that high-powered Rams offense. If I'm a Rams fan, and this may be a little bit of overreaction, but two things. Number one, you've paid Cog Gurley a ton of money, extended him two years already before his rookie contract ends, and he's already the high, he's going to be the highest-paid running back in football, and you did not use him down the stretch. And the two 
biggest games of the year, your quote-unquote best player is on the bench. It's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And two, if you are the Rams and your defense plays that well and you have an offensive guru that everyone says that Sean McVay is and you can only put up three points, right, I'm concerned now. Yeah. Because that means two things. We've seen it with the Wildcat. We've seen it with other trendy offenses, the Chip Kelly offense in Philadelphia. All these different high-profile, high-prolific scoring type teams, they never reach the end. They never are successful long-term because once the amount of tape is out there, it's out there. And there's only so much you can do to reinvent the wheel. And I think that's what the Rams are going to realize pretty quickly here. And if Jared Goff does not take a major step forward this year, I'm not talking statistically. I'm talking the way he plays. And without the reliability of a strong run game and being able to use play-action passing, he's going to really, really struggle. M, did the, the Rams overthought this game, right? We all can kind of agree on that. But what does this say now about the Patriots, their dynasty, a second dynasty, basically if you can call it you know three and three almost here in the past couple years what can you say about this if anything else does this do anything for their legacy does this do anything for what people already know does it put belichick in like another league all on his own more does it say anything at all or is it just like us the patriots we expect it um i think it definitely adds a little bit to the patriot legacy because at the end of the day i mean was it the world's most interesting game? And was it, like, super exciting? I don't, well, do I think it'll go down in history as a legendary Super Bowl? Probably not. No. Um, but do I think... But I, but I think this kind of hints at is, like, legacy, strong teams that that exist over many years in football versus your... Um, I don't want to say bandwagon Flash. Team. It's a flash, flash Your flash, Like, your, your flashy teams. Yep. And, you know, the slow build, the process that the Patriots have in place... Those are the teams I think you kind of want to try to be because I, I think we're proving mm-hmm. time and time again that for the most part, excluding a couple of years and theirs, I think right. that that one-year go-for-it team in football, that strategy doesn't quite work. work. You're right. You're absolutely right. So I think that it, it maybe says more a little bit about the sport as a whole absolutely. than just, you know. No, you're right. You know, New England's built something. It doesn't matter what players leave, what players mm-hmm. come in. They're always there. That system in place, the sense of accountability. Mike, same question, right? Does this do anything? Does this change anything? I, I've seen some people say that it means that even when Brady's off, right, which we can all kind of agree mm-hmm. he wasn't his best, Belichick is, at the end of the day, the deciding factor in these games, and he really turns it on when he needs to. Does that do anything for it? Does it change how we feel about the New England Patriots after this championship? Well, after this one, I think as a whole, I think this really puts – I think it's going to be hard for anybody to go over Bill Belichick ever. Right. And here's why. When you look at the six Super Bowls that they've won, mm-hmm. and even some of them that they've lost, they play different in every single one. Absolutely. When you, I mean, the first different th- ways to win. Yeah, first three or four were decently similar. Right. I, I'm more talking about these later three that they've won. Yeah. When you play Seattle and it's like a mid-scoring game, and Brady needs to make that game-winning drive, and then he does it, and then Malcolm Butler gets the interception in the goal line when no right. one think it would happen. Right. You win that way. Then you're down 25 against Atlanta, yep. and you somehow, your defense gets a couple turnovers, and you win that way. And then in this last Super Bowl, when you have 16 total points scored altogether, yep. and it's just a defensive slugger, not game, right. and you're able to win that way, you just have levels upon levels like, hey, we don't have to score 30 and we can still win, or hey, if we have to, we can score 45 and win. Right. Like, you have so, like, you have so many levels of ways you can win and scheme yeah. that I don't think anybody else can... No doubt. No doubt. I think, I think you're right totally now. right. And the being able to adjust and adapt, it's... it's 
it's so important that people understand. I think this is something, too, you can relate here to Detroit fans as far as what Matt Patricia is trying to instill. It's every week is a new week. It's mm-hmm. a new opponent, and you have to find a new way to win, right? And I think no no team has ever done that better than the New England Patriots. You're, you're entirely correct where you go and you say – that you know, it's it's if we can't do it this way, we're gonna do it this way. We can't yeah. do it this way, so we're gonna have to do it this way. And being able to stop a quote unquote one of the best offenses in the league, and with the ability that they did, and understanding the weakness that is Jared Goff in that offense, mm-hmm. and sensing we can't run the ball, they can't push the ball downfield, and limiting their options, right, and being so disciplined in their approach was phenomenal. Yeah. And that's why I don't think teams like the Chiefs and even the Rams, as you saw, that's why they're going to have struggles until they can find a way to win both sides. Because when you look at the Chiefs, and the only way they can win if Patrick Mahomes throws six touchdowns You're right. is not the way to, you know, You're you right. can win some games. Right, you can, get, you can get far. We you saw can get far, year. you can get to AFC Championship, but then when you play the Patriots and, you know, you're only scoring 28 mm-hmm. points or something right. and your defense has to make stops and they can't, then Absolutely. obviously you can't win. You have to find multiple ways to win. And, right, it's, and so it's being a complete team and not having any glaring holes. That's what I yep. think Detroit fans need to understand. It's not always about the star player. It's about the guy you don't realize that's playing your slot corner, who's playing your fourth cornerback. Who, If an injury like Patrick Chung breaks his arm, okay, now Harmon has to come in and makes a touchdown-saving tackle mm-hmm. to make sure that they don't catch that pass in the back of the end zone. Those are the kind of plays that you go – Wow, right? Yeah. Those are the people that are the difference between winning and losing in the National Football League. That's that's a tremendous point, Mike. All right, let's shift now to the other big news of the week, the NBA trade deadline. We talked about it last week because there were some big trades that happened, but guess what? There was even more that happened this week. So, I mean, thoughts, and I'm going to start with you. What were the shocking trades for you? So many things happened, right? And we'll hit on the Pistons ones in a minute. But talking about big players leaving, Anthony Davis obviously staying, but what were you, what were you shocked by? Anything anything particular where you're just like, wow, like didn't see that one coming? Um, In the whole NFL? No, in the whole, whole NBA. NBA. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I said NFL, but right. NBA. I'm like looking at you. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, I think that probably out of the to throw it to one of the three basketball teams I've seen play right. live, the uh, <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I think the Tobias Harris trade mm-hmm. was really interesting. He's moved around twice. I think he right. got traded. Yeah, he got traded twice. from us to to LA right. last year, and now from LA to Philadelphia this year. And so I think that's an interesting trade. I mean, he definitely could be a max player. Yep. Um, for that for pretty much any team, mm-hmm. he so. I think it gives the Philadelphia 76ers like kind of a more four-star and a potential window right. for them to win. I mean, when we saw them play the Pistons, because we went this year and saw yep. those season, they were relatively evenly yeah, matched. They won without, by a little bit. Embiid, the Pistons too. aren't really that good. So adding an a awesome player like that into the mix mm-hmm. might really, you know, enable Absolutely. them Mike, to go up on Mike, it. same thing, right? What, what was a shocking trade for you that you kind of didn't see coming? Uh, I know you're a big basketball guy, similar to our NBA insider, Kyle Bodznowski. Big shout-out to Kyle. But... Um, any any shocking trades really that you were like I didn't see that coming outside the Tobias trade? Um, I wouldn't say that I didn't see coming per mm-hmm. se. I mean, we talked about last week with that right. Porzingis trade. Mm-hmm. I was kind of shocked by. It. I was yeah. like, well, he went to um, went to Dallas, right? Dallas, but then the Knicks are just opening up slots, so hopefully they can get somebody, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Yeah. Trying to rebuild that, but actually, I do think that Tobias Harris trade. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't think it was going to go through the way it did. Right. And also, what was, what I loved was Markel Fultz getting traded. Yeah, that was like right a little after. lower under the radar one yeah. that kind of happened at the very end. And everyone goes, wait, hold on. Yeah. They, they traded already? Like, they gave up yeah, they were on them like, already. Yeah, they were like... So we have our starting five now, and you have Sark, and you've got a couple guys off the bench that can play, TJ McConnell and stuff. Yep. And you're now you're like, we don't really need Markel Fultz. Yep. Let's get some picks or let's get something out of mm-hmm. him. And yeah, right. so and I it's think... a low-risk proposition for the Magic, too. If he works out, great. We have our starting point guard for the future. If he doesn't, doesn't. well, we traded very little for him, yep. and he's on a rookie skill. I think that's a great that's a great option. Um, I would agree with you on the Markel Fultz thing. I was kind of surprised that the Raptors went for Mark Gasol. Ooh, I was I, a little surprised by had. that. Um, just by the way that um, I, I, I agree the Raptors probably have a small window here, and I get that you're trying to kind of give pieces to Kawhi to convince him to stay, but you got to hope that you have some sort of indication from Kawhi that he's staying because you now you just traded for a 30-year-old center with a big contract the next two years, mm-hmm. and if you don't have Kawhi there and you don't have some other pieces – Ugh, that's yeah. that's a little that's a little wishy washy. Um, thoughts on the Pistons moves, right? Stanley Johnson gets traded for Thon Maker, and then obviously uh, Reggie Bullock is traded to Lakers for Svee. Name, but you go ahead and you can pronounce it yourselves because I sure as hell can't. Um, and for a second round pick, right? So. Pistons clearing some cap space to get underneath the luxury tax, being able to give themselves some flexibility, right? Knowing that they can't make a blockbuster trade because of the cap hell that they're in now. Mm-hmm. But I, I like these trades. I like the fact that they went, we're going to get rid of guys that we know either we're not going to be able to resign or we're not going to resign in Stanley Johnson. Get two guys that they like for their shooting. Mm-hmm. And for their upside, right? Thon Maker is a ginormous man who can stretch the ball and shoot the three. So he he clearly can make a play, right? Mm-hmm. Hasn't got the time in Milwaukee. Same thing with Svee. He can shoot the three, but he has he's just kind of stuck at the back end of that bench. Yep. You're, a t- you're the Pistons. You're not really going anywhere. So you might as well try and take it. Worst case scenario, they don't work out, you clear some cap. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I mean, M, what do you think? Are you kind of in line with me, or are you kind of just like their trades that – by back rotational players, so who the hell cares? <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know their names now. I'm sure they start playing for the Pistons more. I might know right. who they are. Um, no, I, I think I think clearing up cap space and offering yourself more opportunity, more wiggle room, mm-hmm. um, and seasons to come, I think, is key. I think we've talked about that in, what, like three sports at this point? Yeah. No, like, it's, like it's, the it's cap exact, space No, it really is. is. It, it, it's, so we've, done, we've talked about that in a lot of sports, and, yeah. and it's good to see that Detroit sports are trying to take some accountability for, like, Trying to find creative ways to right like, to you know. get underneath there and to understand that they're in a situation where you're trying to maximize the window with Blake Griffin playing as well as he is right now. Mm-hmm. So I can appreciate the fact that Ed Stefanski going out and saying, "Listen, there's no way we're going to be able to make the trade we want to, but being able to not sell out the future mm-hmm. just to go get a Mike Conley is." is I think a step in the right direction for the Pistons and being able to show some patience and understand that, okay, maybe we're not built to win yet, but maybe if we hit on a pick or two and are able to get some assets here that people want, mm-hmm. then you're kind of able to build something. Mike, what do you think of the Pistons moves? Well, at first, I thought they were just going to, they were moving people around to make a blockbuster trade. Right, that's I couldn't, what you I couldn't, felt, I couldn't, right? like put my finger on it. I didn't think it was going to be Mike Connolly, mm-hmm. but I had a feeling maybe like we would try to go for Marcus All, mm-hmm. or we were going to try to go for some like bigger name guy that was out there. Yep. And then, because we were clearing up the cap and everything. And then when that didn't go through, I was like, oh, so that's all we're going to get. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So 
because getting Thon Maker, I was like, maybe we get rid of like Drummond somehow. Right. Like, and, I thought we yeah, were going to dump him or something because mm-hmm. Thon could play. He's seven one. He can shoot. That's exactly what you need. And um, for a future um, reference, not really future reference. Yeah. But we just signed Wayne Ellington, who's right. also a three point shooter. Right. So as you can see how this team's going to be built soon yep. is spacing the floor spacing the floor mm-hmm. and shooting and you're going to have Drummond getting bored and this is going to open up a lot for Luke Kennard as well to yep. kind of get in the rotation he was a starter I think of as a couple days ago so they were able to kind of give him some more minutes because I know that in talks with the Grizzlies they said that they wanted Luke as part of that deal or an additional first round pick and the Pistons said no to both that so that's them showing some restraint yep. and understanding that we, we don't need to take another bloated contract yeah. Just just because, right? It doesn't make any sense for them to do it at this moment. So I was really happy to see that. Biggest winner of the trade deadline. I'm going to start with you. What, biggest winner for you at, at, on, on that regard? Because there's a couple teams that you can say are true winners of this of this mm-hmm. deadline here. Um, I would probably say the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. Um, they shed Barnes' salary cap, um, moving on from Dennis Smith Jr. So you yep. kind of got rid of some of their salary cap problems too. And then right. they signed... Kristaps Porzingis. Right, yeah, you got him from the Knicks, right, which we talked about last week. Um, And so now that kind of keeps him more young, more competitive, Mm kind of in the game, getting rid of some of those top players that are bulking up your salary. Right, you've got two younger guys that have potential all-star ability, right, Mm -hmm. at their their best, can stretch the floor, are both athletic, right, and you have, you know, a true unicorn in Kristaps if he comes back healthy, I think would truly be uh, a good one. Who's your biggest loser? Well, uh, I mean, the Grizzlies, I think, they weren't able to get rid of Mike Connolly and his salary. Right. Um, and then they took kind of a weird contract. Right, when yeah. When they traded away... Gasol, right? Gasol. Yeah, Mr. they took Gasol. back Jonas Valuchunas, or however the hell you say his last name. Valuchunas. Yeah, so... You take back a bad contract just to get just to get rid of Marcus All, but the only reason why you're getting rid of Marcus All is because of his contract. So it's kind of a wishy-washy type move. Mm-hmm. I get it if you're Toronto just to make the money work. He kind of had to, but yeah. at the same time, it was a little bit awkward. Mike, same question for you. Biggest winner and loser for you on the trade deadline? I think it's close. I think the winner for me at least would be the Sixers. Right. Getting Tobias Harris is huge. Yes. Because then you're looking at your starting lineup being Simmons, Redick. Uh, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a five mm-hmm. that can probably. I mean, can't say until they start playing a little bit, but yeah. they can probably match up pretty well with teams like the Warriors. Yeah, who oh, also have who also have a big solid five. five right. But when you look at it, their smallest guy is JD Redick at like six five, and you have guys like Steph Curry out there yep. who have to guard somebody. Right. So that's going to be an interesting factor if the yep. Sixers go far enough. And they just have depth now with um, some good bench players and mm-hmm. stuff. So I think they won. My loser, and this is going to be a, a hot take. Oh, boy. We're hitting a hot take oh right boy. here. Hot take later. Watch out. Got to cool me down on this one. Yeah. The Pelicans, I think, lost. Really? Yeah. Oh, my and goodness. I say, You're going to really like my take, then. <laughs> yeah, I, I say that only because... So you have Anthony Davis. Right. And... You're on the boat of, I want to maybe get rid of him. Like, he wants to trade, mm-hmm. and you want to get rid of him. Yep. And you can look at all these offers that people are, give, people are giving you. Yep. As a GM, and you're looking at what the Lakers were willing to give up, mm-hmm. and you're just, no, I'm not going to, astonishes me. Now from the Lakers, like, I'm a, yeah. I'm a LeBron fan, Lakers right. fan, so I was like, I didn't really want to give up all those pieces. But right. as a Pelicans fan, and you're going to get, you're giving me Lonzo, Ingram, mm-hmm. Kuzma, Zubak, you're giving me I know. possibly BZ, Rondo, and four first-round picks. You're giving me all of those guys. Well, they weren't given four, though. They were given two. 
That two, was that two was first the thing. and two seconds. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So you're getting all of those things. Yeah. Here's for Anthony Davis. I agree. And I sit there and I go, Yeah. I think that's something. I mean, the Celtics were apparently trying to get Jason Tatum out with yeah. Jalen Brown and stuff. Yeah. They're trying to make a big package with those two. Yeah. You can tell me you don't want Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown for Anthony. Like, but you can't. But you remember though, the Celtics can't trade for AD because of Kyrie. The, how the cap works right now, right? Yeah. They couldn't get him till after July. Here's why, and this is funny that you say that they're a loser, right? I thought the Pelicans are a winner, and this is why I say that, right? Because if you're the Lakers, you have all the motivation in the world to get him. But if you're the Pelicans, those pieces are still there. I have no incentive because let's just say this, right? Let's say the Lakers make a deep run, but the Knicks get the first overall pick, right? And you're trying to tear it down. Yeah. You can then, and the Knicks have now max contract space, right? I don't know if he'd ever sign there. But point being is that if you have pieces and say that the Celtics have three, four first-round picks coming up here that they can give you along with Jason Tatum. I'm sorry, but Jason Tatum is better than any of those guys you just mentioned from the Lakers, right? By yeah. himself, he's better, right? So if you can get him. I like Kuzma. I like, I like Kuzma, but Tatum's a better player. Uh, that's close. Uh, I don't know. Either way, right? That's close. But, if, but here's the thing. If you're the if you're the Pelicans, though, you have a you have a obligation as an organization to not. I listen. The Lakers' offer was fantastic, right? Yeah. It's. It, I think it would have depleted them, and I think it they would have hurt in the long run. But it the would've. point being, I understand why they tried to do it. But that that trade value can still be there in the off season. I agree with that, but also. I would be nervous as a Pelican. Not because um, you can still trade with the Knicks, mm-hmm. but say the Lakers make some like miraculous right. run. Yeah. Say in a long shot they make the finals or something, right. and they're like one game out and they lose to like, the Bucks in seven or mm-hmm. something. Say like in a hypothetical yeah. situation right. that happens, mm-hmm. and you go, so we have room for one next guy. Say you just add someone like Kyrie, yeah. or you can get like one other very good player to get you over the hump because right. of what we have now. Now you don't need Anthony Davis, and you realize right. it now, which I think could hurt. Yeah, not, not still, the Pel- yeah, not the, no, I agree. Like I the Pelicans still can dish to the Knicks yeah. or whatever, mm-hmm. but I think like to the Lakers, I, like yeah. I don't think they would be willing to give up all those pieces if they make a deep the, run. The Pelicans know they're in a position right now where they can't keep them, so they have a window here. But at the window that they were going to operate on was not the same window the Lakers were. And and that's the no. only problem that the Lakers have, yeah. really, is that if they would have had a piece, right? I think that the that the that the Pelicans really wanted, right? Yeah. Say they had a second star in addition to LeBron, yeah. right? That they could maybe sit like they could have shipped a Kyrie over, and I bet that deal gets done. But oh, they yeah. don't have anybody truly that's proven in this league yet that no. they could have given up, right? And I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's I think we're gonna have to keep watch of absolutely because I think the Lakers mm-hmm. and you saw it when they played Boston and right. they played tonight against. Uh, we're yep. filming the Sunday, mm-hmm. so they play the Sixers tonight. Mm-hmm. But they are a team on a mission right now. Because yep. when you look, all those guys, they weren't deferring to LeBron. Nope. And they were like, Kuzma's like, I'll take the three-point shot because yep. I want to show how much I mean to this team. Yep. And you're going to have all that motivation going the rest of the season. That's a team to watch out for Absolutely. in a seven-game series. Absolutely. Okay, guys, that's going to be it for part one of episode 11. We will be right back after these words from, well, us. Hey guys, this is the Mouth of Michigan, Ron Medica. Just reminding you once again that we have now partnered with Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. Mike, tell me where else we're streaming. Oh, uh, we're also streaming on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play Music. Hey, Em, how can we get to our uh, social media pages? Oh, you can check out I'm Always Right PC on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 
Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that we're on all these places, guys. Can you believe that? That is crazy. This place is going bananas. That means bananas. Now be sure to stick around for part two of this week's episode. Okay, and welcome back to part two of episode 11 of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. We're going to hit the second half. We're going to start out with some Red Wings talk coming out of the All-Star break. Not the best news for the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Dylan Larkin's going to be out for a couple weeks here. Um, but coming out of this All-Star break, and, and we've talked at nauseum now about how the Wings are in some, in some salary cap issues. Their youth really isn't developing the way we want them to. They're kind of just there, right? They're just a team. The Red Wings are on the schedule. They're not go-to programming. They're not really anything. So, Mike, I'm going to start with you. What are your kind of expectations of this team going forward? Is it just simply just show me some sort of improvement, whether it's offensively, defensively, maybe not necessarily translates to a whole bunch of wins, but don't go out there and embarrass yourself. Or do you want them to completely tank and try and get the first overall pick? No, I mean, I, I love I don't like tanking. Yeah, I don't. I've never that. been a fan of tanking yeah. ever. So like, I would like to go out there and at least like sh- sh- try. Mm-hmm. I guess is what I'm saying. Like, you play a good team and you go out there and you maybe get a win or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, against these like top five teams that you're gonna play upcoming mm-hmm. in the next and in, in the schedule. Right. So I mean, try to get some wins, show improvement. I mean, now that you're almost gonna be out of the race. Yeah. Now it's kind of a time where you can kind of relax and kind of just throw pieces in and yeah. try to test some things out. Right. I yeah, mean, maybe. that's kind of like when the Lions, like once they get eliminated, eliminated, right. like last couple years or whatever, I mean, that's when you can start throwing in your fifth string receivers. You can start doing that doing stuff. Some and, test stuff. Yeah, right. test some like new plays out or whatever because mm-hmm. it doesn't really, it's like preseason almost. Yeah. So, Absolutely. I mean, with the wings, you know, just act like once you're like out, out, you can just be like, oh, it's like preseason and yeah. just kind of. Have fun and you know put some new lineups in, and see right. how it goes. You know, right? Yeah, that's why I like. So see. what we're saying is your expectations are low. Going. Very low. <laughs> if they make the playoffs, I'll be. If sad. they make the playoffs, I'll eat my own foot. All right, because that's not going to happen. All right, okay. you, heard I, here. you heard it here. It ain't going to happen. So I'm perfectly content. So eleven with it. is eating his foot. <laughs> and same question though. I mean, what are your expectations going into this? Is it just more just don't embarrass yourself and have fun with it, or do you want to embrace the suck and? Just completely try and take out to get that first pick. No, I I mean, I guess I, I'm with Mike on this one. I'm not really big on the whole tanking thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, don't purposely try to suck. But if you suck because you're making good use of your time, as, you're, <laughs> as, you're, as a teacher would, as your mom or teacher would say, <laughs> you're making good use of your time right. by, you know, testing out some new plays, moving some guys, you know, like trying different stuff. Yeah. Do And, you know, yeah. and, some, and if it... Heck, you could use this time and you find something that really works, which mm-hmm. is something that the right. Red Wings need to I, find something that really works. Yeah. So, you know. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and I think now you guys are mentioning, you know, trying some things out and really attempting to maybe change some things up and do what we want to do. But um, that brings up the next question is, should the Wings be trying to pick up their first round draft pick? Philippe Zadina, who's been up and down in the minors so far, right? You have games where he's there, other games not so much. He's a scoring threat. He could fill in for Larkin. Obviously, he can't play more than, I think, like eight or nine games before a contract situation gets a little weird as far as eligibility and how long we have him under team control. But 
you could bring him up for a week, four or five games. They did it with Mantha before where they brought him up for a little bit, sent him back down, brought him back up, sent him back down, just to see how yeah. he reacts to the speed of the game and the NHL level. I, I, I feel like at this point you you get to a situation because you're kind of out of it. Mm-hmm. Bring him up because what else do you have to lose? If he's yeah. terrible, you send him back down. If he shows you something, okay, cool, for next year, yeah. that's that's a piece for us to build off of. He kind of fell to you in the draft in the first place at number, I think, six it was. So, I mean, do you think they should bring him up as, as a trial run just to see, okay, maybe let's see what the kid's got? I mean, I guess why not? I guess should right. be a question. I mean, I mean what, what's the harm? Yeah, that's what I always think. Yeah. It's like, can, I mean, I guess worst case scenario is he gets hurt because mm-hmm. of the fast pace. But, I mean... That's just bad luck that you would have then. Yeah. Um, I mean, why not? I mean, have him play like five games, mm-hmm. play a couple of road games, especially to see yep. his exposure to uh, not playing on his home court right. or home ice, I guess you would say. Yeah. It's not court. <laughs> um, that's Could fine. be sometimes, depending I, on the stadium. I guess so. I, I mean, that, that, we make two points here. We're always right. Um, but yeah, just bring him up and see how he does. Yeah. And if he's, again, like you said, if he's not producing, there's no problem just sending him back to the minors for a little bit for another year or two. But, I mean, if you really show something, then right. you can see that you have potential. In yeah, it. So right. And then you, then you, you kind of hit, right? Same question was, to you, Em. I mean, he, like you said, he's a prolific scorer. That's what he does. He, he, he can put the puck in the net. And as we know as Red Wing fans, the one thing we can't do is put the puck in the net or stop the puck from going in our own net. <laughs> Jimmy Howard. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So, I mean, I do, does it hurt anything to bring <laughs> to bring him up just to see what the heck the kids got and see, okay, maybe we can build off this for next year. I'm not saying... So, Red Wing fans, don't kill me. I'm not saying bring him for the rest of the year. No. Clearly can't do that. But what I am saying is if you have an opportunity right now for this kid to come up here, do some razzle-dazzleness going on, and you know, what I mean? and, you know what I mean, and try to just to see. Even if he's inconsistent or he doesn't play well, it's been proven. Mantha came up, had some issues, went back down his second stint, and destroyed it on the minor league level. So, clearly there's some there's some reasoning behind it and some logic. Em, do you think they should bring Zadine out for a couple games? If nothing else, they pop the fan base. Well, I mean, yeah. I think, I mean, we were talking about how the Wings have have been having some trouble, you know, kind of honing some of their younger players that they even have on their main mm-hmm. roster right now. Right. So I think taking a serious look at key players and starting to, you know, expose them, mm-hmm. even when they're still in the minors, like expose them and really hone talent on like a full, a full timeline I think this is Absolutely. a good opportunity for them to start doing that. Start looking at that so when he is on your main roster, like, you know. Yeah, yeah he's prepared. He, he's, he knows what's going on. He's more ready. And I think they should be looking at doing that, you know. With everybody. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's board. just Zadina. I think Zadina is the big one for us fans because right. he's the first overall pick, right? Mm-hmm. So you're thinking, okay, like, we need to see this kid kind of happen, right? Um, does does Doug, Bl- does, Doug Bl- does Jeff Blaschel, I don't know why I said Doug, but... Does, does Blash? Yeah, he would be a dog. He looks like a dog, right? Does Blashall make make it out of this season, though? Let's just say it completely falls apart. Or, or let's just say they just continue on the course they're at, right? Yeah. Second worst in 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 the division. You're whatever you're at in the conference. Nowhere clear of competing. <laughs> do you do do you think he makes it? Do you think he gets another year because Holland's or Holland's still there, so you kind of just I mean, let it go? I or? actually do think he'll get another year, yeah. weirdly enough. I mean, I think he'll get another year. They'll test out his like, they'll test out some new guys. Yeah. He'll try to you know he'll try to make some moves in the off season and and then if that doesn't work and mm-hmm. you're like wow we've given you a couple years and you yeah. really haven't done anything no progress and then that's when you kind of let him go and try to bring the new guy in yeah so i think 
at least in my opinion, I guess they'll keep him here a year. Do you think he should stay? I don't think he should, but no. they will. Okay. Like, I mean, when you're in the bottom of your division two years in a row, I think yeah. that's a sign that not, it's not going right and you need yeah. to change. I think but, I think there's a I think he's hindered, but at the same time he was the guy to kinda of take the the take the young guys that he won with in Grand Rapids mm-hmm. and kinda of try to repeat that success and it's not really happening yeah. as we all can tell. Um, M, do you think that Blashell makes it out of this season? Do you think it's going to require a change in leadership before he's kind of let go? Red Wings usually don't fire coaches very often, usually because there's some success that goes along with being part of the Red Wings organization. So, do you think that? Do you think he lasts, or do you think he gets another year before, you know, Eisenman hopefully comes in? I'm gonna put a big meh on that one. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it kind of could go either way. It you depends. Get a shirt that says meh. meh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of this is just like a little bit of a crapshoot. You're like, well, yeah. they may, he might. I mean, I, if there's a leadership change, I definitely think yeah he'll go. That usually happens. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's just the nature of like leadership changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think right now, you know, you don't want to cut the guy without giving him a chance. But he's had a couple chances and it's not working right. out too well. So <laughs> I think it's I think it's really going to depend on how they finish the season. If it completely bottoms out on him and we just look, if we just get embarrassed out there every night, and then I think it'd be one thing. But like in in, in for instance, right, a couple days ago they're playing the Vegas Golden Knights. You saw some. They were down four to one, I think, at one point in that game, and you should see you see some fight in there, right? The problem is you get down 41 and you have a disaster, right? But it's the fact that you have the ability to kind of get back into that game and have a chance to win it at the end. Those are the kind of the scenarios where if you're a hockey, if you're a Red Wings fan, you there is talent on this team, right? We're not trying to be super negative about this team. There is, there is talent here. It's just getting it. It's just getting us where we need to be and really developing and honing that talent and putting these players in the best position to succeed, I, I think is kind of where we're lacking yeah. right now. Um, but all right, let's go now. We're going to shift from hockey, shift from the ice to the squared circle. We're going to halftime heat. WWE's nice. second ever attempt at this. Basically, if you guys don't know what this is, it's WWE put on a match, a six-man tag between Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, and Adam Cole versus Ricochet, Velveteen Dream, and Aleister Black during the halftime of the Super Bowl this past Sunday. So what happened basically was... You know, instead of watching Maroon 5 and that epic disaster, you got to watch some good wrestling instead. So, uh, I mean, it was was a unique idea. They did it once before in 1999 with Mankind and The Rock in an empty arena match, which was pretty groundbreaking for its time. Um, Mike, first, starting with you, thoughts on the match? I mean, what did you think? I kind of, I mean, here's the thing, was... Unlike the first one, mm-hmm. this one's not a championship match. Right. You're just kind of putting the six biggest names out there, mm-hmm. and you're kind of just like, have a good one. Right. You know, just like... Go do something cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, just like, it's, it's, like, it's like a live event match, almost. Yeah. Like, you just kind of, like, go out there, do all your signature moves, yep. get the crowd pumped up, right. go out there for 20 minutes, and, and then, then go, go watch Yeah, go watch the game. But, like, that's really all it was for this one. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I liked most of it. They had a lot of cool and, like, maneuvers that no one's really seen before. Mm-hmm. We've had flashes, if you've watched... You know, like Cole Ricochet's one-on-one match. Yep. His super kick from the um, moonsault. Still awesome. Still, still awesome, awesome move. Yep. And, like, you just see, like, little bits of, like, other mm-hmm. little uh, moments that they've had mm-hmm. between each other. So, because these guys have wrestled each other, like, ten, at least 20 times in NXT alone. Right. Be- between the six of them. So, I mean, in the indies, a lot more. But anyway. So, but yeah, overall, I thought the match was good. You saw a lot of good moments. Mm-hmm. And... Someone took the fall that we didn't want. But we'll 
Um, same question, right? Thoughts? On, I know you're kind of in and out. You know, you're just kind of like you were kind of confused as to why they were doing it in the first place. Which it's something that <laughs> WWE's brought. It's been you know almost 20 years since it's been the thing. So yeah. I mean, or actually has been 20 years, weirdly enough. But um, what did you think of the match? Did, anything that was really you know? Did you anything? We watch a lot of NXT here, so clearly there's you know you know these characters pretty through and through. A lot of your favorite guys were in it, but uh, did did it hit for you, or was it kind of just like yeah, it's six man tag? Uh, well, I mean, I was in the process of making nachos, so <laughs> I was kind of busy during this time period, and it wasn't good? quite enough. They were really good. <laughs> it wasn't quite enough to tear me away from like paying attention to my nachos after I made them. Right. But I thought it was good. I thought it was interesting. I didn't like like Michael said, it wasn't really for. It wasn't for anything. It wasn't yeah. about anything. It was just like, you kind of got to watch some cool wrestling. And I think, you know, a lot of people like football and wrestling. So I think it's a good idea that it doesn't hurt to continue. If you mm-hmm. put maybe a little bit more on the line, um, I think it would even be more interesting. Yeah. I'm sure in our house, when we have our house, instead of being Michael and Rob on a laptop in the corner watching it, it'll just be on the TV screen. Well, well of course. I mean, <laughs> being streamed that's, live that's as opposed expected. to halftime. Yeah, right. So it's just like... No, I, and, here, and here's the thing, right? I agree with you. I thought the match was fine. Right? And, I mean, did it produce, did it hit, do you think, the way that the WWE wanted it to? Yeah. Because when you go into these kind of scenarios, right, you're paying, you know, you're, it's supposed to, you're promoting this. They did, they they dedicated time to it on the NXT show, the TakeOver show, to kind of really kind of sell this and kind of get it. And you have your six top guys, Mm -hmm. right, um, in this match, right? I thought it was a little bit predictable, right, as far as, Who's going to lose? You got Gargano and mm-hmm. Champa at the time, or North American and NXT champions. So you know they're not taking the fall there. You know the the, the bad guys aren't winning. You know on a one match show like this. Um, so I thought that kind of hindered it a little bit for me. Yeah. I thought, I, I mean, it produced, it gave WWE some exposure, right? On on a big television day, I guess is the best yeah. way of putting that, right? Um, I just thought it was just okay. I thought I think that with a six-man tag, there's only so much you can do in it, right, to let everybody kind of have their brief moment yeah. in there. It's kind of similar to a Royal Rumble for me where everyone's kind of, okay, okay, Ricochet's in. Okay, he's going to do some flips. All right, now Cole's in. He's going to hit a super kick, and then he's going to do this, right? And then yeah. here comes Gargano. He's going to do his thing and so on and so forth. So yeah. you, you're kind of hindered a little bit by that, and obviously the time constraints you're trying to keep it you know, inside. Yeah. Um, do you guys want to see more of these in the future? Does this should be should this be a yearly thing now, where they do it with NXT? Uh, do you think you change anything in particular? Do you want a title on the line like they did the first time around? Do we want to see somebody else? Does it what what's going to get it to where like for your like you? It's going to be like a can't miss yeah. event for you that one match. Well, actually. I would rather have be more than a yearly thing. Mm-hmm. I would I would want to see it actually because I'll be honest. And some half times are not as long, yeah. so it's harder to do these on shorter. Right. But like if you're watching like the NBA finals, right? There's not even a halftime show. Mm-hmm. Like no one's outperforming during the halftime shows. Yeah, they're just like they just have a regular halftime in the finals. Right. And it's like 15 minutes. Could you have two guys run out for 15 minutes and do something during right. those games or something like that? Like I'm kind of just like. I would like to see more of these during half times or or in big events of some sort. Just having like quick little fifteen minute spurts between right. uh, some bigger guys. I'd also like the main roster to do some too. Right. Like next year instead of just NXT, mm-hmm. why don't you do like main roster versus NXT? Right. Absolutely. So if you had a six man tag, but if, if it was like Cena and you know Seth Rollins and somebody versus right. 
three guys from NXT. Right. Now you're getting some exposure from main roster to NXT. Yeah, future versus future versus you know whatever. You know, um, it's, yeah, the past, present, past, whatever. present, future that they yeah. try to run all the time. So I think if you're not if you're just gonna do it once a year, that'd be cool mm-hmm. to have like NXT versus main roster or come up with some idea or have a championship. Have like the North American Championship match every year. Right, it's, it's like, for this. It's right, for this exactly. during the halftime show or something. Right. Where you have like a thing that's like, oh, I can't wait because last year this happened, so maybe it'll happen this year. What have you, right. Yeah. And, and be able to, that's the thing. I think that a singles match lends itself better in this situation. Maybe a triple threat if you're really getting fancy with it. Just because, like I said, you, you have to divvy up so much time to each guy to make each yeah. guy look important and look strong in that, right? And obviously, if you watch NXT consistently, you know the six guys that were in this match. They are the top six guys on their roster, single stars at least. So you know that going in. But once again, if you make one guy look like crap compared to the other five, right, it's going to be very transparent for mm-hmm. everybody to kind of see that. So there was a lot of jumbled up mess kind of going on in there. Um, I'd like to see it. Like I said, for a championship of some sort, I thought the 99 one with Mankind and Rock, where Mankind actually won the championship, won the WWE championship that night. I don't think anybody was expecting that. So the shock and awe factor for me is something that you can leverage that for WWE because you're on so many platforms. No other wrestling company can do that. Yeah. Right, nobody, no other company like it really has the option or the resources to do it. Um, is there anything you would change uh, about it? How they presented it? They did it at the performance center. Um, anything that you would really change? No, I, I mean I think with I think that if you know they make it a little bit more worthwhile mm-hmm. and they do maybe incorporate some of the the most like the more more mainstream guys from the yeah. main roster here and there. If they don't make it a women's match, if they <laughs> there you go, yeah. Dang. Wow, bro. She said it, not me or my. Yeah, just I, I, out I, there. She yeah, said it, not on. me. Yeah. Don't come at us. <laughs> Only come at me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I think I think that would make it a little more interesting. But I think it's I think it's a good premise and a good concept, and I think they were aided by the fact that Maroon Five was not very engaging to anyone. That is another. That is another. Huge if it was a really point, good right? halftime yeah. show with like. If Bruno Mars was playing, I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, I'm guessing a lot of people are probably gonna launch. Oh, Bruno I definitely Mars. would have watched Bruno Mars. Right. No offense. Yeah. Exactly. Like I, you know, what I mean, like it, there's certain people that are just, are, you know, have. You know, probably a different type of pitch. not that Maroon Five is not good or anything like that. It's just I don't need to see a scrawny dude take his shirt off. I don't. I don't. I don't really care. Yeah. You know what I mean? You hey, can... Astro World though. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, exactly. Uh... So I agree. I think there's some things that can be cleaned up, but I do think that they should be doing these going forward. I think it's an easy way for WWE to kind of get in that mainstream cycle. They even had a commercial in 99 for the WWF at the time during the Super Bowl. So things like that where the WWE now is is so huge, makes so much money, and is literally everywhere and has their brand everywhere, I think it's only inevitable that every type of big lifestyle event has a WWE tie to it almost you know what i mean i think you're absolutely right um all right guys let's hit our final topic of the day national signing day was last week um michigan has the seventh right seventh ranked uh recruiting class and then michigan state had the 30th we're not going to talk about georgia or alabama because they're not michigan and quite frankly we don't care so but obviously michigan Historically, has always had good recruiting classes. Uh, Michigan State is kind of the uh, is kind of the you know they get an okay class and then kind of make do with what they get. Um, I'm going to start with you, um, 
Are you happy with the the halls that both Michigan and Michigan? Let's oh for the record too. I don't know if we've all established or not. We're all Michigan fans at the table here, just so you're aware. But it doesn't mean that we're going to not talk about Michigan State just because of that. If there's something going on with the Spartans that's big news and relevant, like they lost three three games in a row in basketball recently, <laughs> then you know we'll hit on that on a on a regular basis. But as I said, are we happy with Michigan and Michigan State's recruiting classes compared to what they normally do? I, I'd say they were pretty on par, yeah. you know what I mean, considering where they're at in, you know, in the college football world as far as notoriety, brand, you know, all that mm. good stuff. Uh, I think I think so. I think, what, Michigan came out 7th. I yep. think State came out, what, 30th, 30-something? Yeah, 30 right. mm-hmm. um, 30, 30, yeah, we literally 30 just said that. You know that, right? Oh, did you? Hi, welcome was, back. Hey, Rob, podcast. Like, well, no, I was just, I was more like, I mean, yeah. I was like, okay, so that sounds about right. Right. I think it's interesting, Um, I what was his name? Daxton, Daxton Hill, I think, got yeah. flipped from Alabama, which I think to Michigan, yeah. right. which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. When you know Alabama is probably one of the biggest, is one of the biggest schools well, the best, in college yeah. football right. Mm-hmm. right now, and so it's right. it's always kind of nice to see the hometown team, you know, drawing some good talent, mm-hmm. um, some interest from around the country. Um, hopefully, at one point, that will result in Michigan football actually winning something of actual relevance. Wow, um, but that was a shot. Man, <laughs> take well, after I'm a Michigan fan de facto. But you know, because I I can't I can't really not be a Michigan fan because somebody would divorce me. So. Right now, Emily is caressing Rob's shoulder. Shoulder. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're really falling off the rails here in episode yeah. eleven, clearly. But uh, Mike, are you are we happy with the hall? Both Michigan, and Michigan State got. Even though we're not Michigan State fans, at the end of the day, I'm going to root for them against an Ohio State or somebody else like that. So any player they get that's yeah, not in Ohio State is okay. So I mean, like like M said, right? You know, Daxton Hill, the number one safety, coming to Michigan, right? Yeah. Michigan State never really gets that true five star recruit. No. You know what I mean? But. They always seem to kind of put it together in some way, shape, or form. They have good coaching. It's right? the exact opposite of basketball. That's how I'll put it. <laughs> Michigan never gets high recruits right. in basketball. Yeah. And State gets all of them, but somehow Michigan can put it together and do something. Right. I'm actually shocked that they're 30th, depending on how bad State played last year. Yeah. Like, I guess because you're going to Michigan State for yeah. football. That's like a big, big 10, thing. Big, big 10, 10 and everything. But, like, when you play that bad and you're, tr- I'm trying to convince you, hey, we were, like, 4-8 and eight. Listen, six Rutgers six. still gets kids, okay? Yeah, I don't know how that happens. <laughs> you see how scary that team is? I know, is? it's bad. When Michigan can beat them 77-0. Yeah, I know. I mean, Be nice at... to Rutgers. They're in New they Jersey. Have, they have... Everything's legal in New Jersey. Everything's terrible. Everything's legal in New Jersey? Everything's, everything's <laughs> That's another topic. Terrible. Yeah, anyway. But, I mean, I mean, Michigan State, right, they got... The biggest name that kind of stuck out for me in their recruiting class was Trayvon Morgan. 6'6", wide receiver. He's a three-star recruit, but he's... I mean, he's a big dude, right? And he's a guy that I think a lot of Michigan State fans are looking at as somebody who could potentially come in and fill that number one spot. Yeah. You know what I mean? As somebody that they're really going to rely upon to kind of help that offense, whether it's Lewerke, whether it's whoever is that quarterback, you know, Rocky McIntosh or whatever his name is. Um, but, I mean, but my final question for both you guys is, and for you, those of you at home, do, do, do these class rankings matter? And, and the reason why I bring this up is, like you mentioned earlier, right, Mike, is that Michigan State always seems to kind of put it together. Obviously, they've had, they went up, down, up, down the past four years. But that, that being said, Izzo, for the most part, puts that team on the field ready to play. And they're a good competitive football team with not the highest of recruits. Yeah. Brady Hoke could recruit people. 
And it was the, one of the darkest times in Michigan history, right? <laughs> but we could always recruit, yeah. right? Five-star running backs, this, that, and everything else. But then when we got on the field, we looked like we don't know how to hire, tie our own shoes. So my question to you, Mike, is do these class rankings matter, or are you kind of by – do you live by the Michigan State model? Listen, get them here. We'll coach them up. We'll put them in the best position to succeed. Yeah. It's kind of like the New England way in a lot of ways. That's you know what, I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all coaching for college. Yeah. The, once you hit the pros, you, you can really – you have a chance at winning without, like, scheme and coaching as much, mm-hmm. I would think. Um, you can, like, look at the Rams, for an example. I mean, they just have all these guys off the board. Mm-hmm. And even if they don't have the best coaching, they can win games. Just, just right, just have talent. Talent alone, right. alone can win. Absolutely. I don't think that's the same in college, though, because I think everyone in college is relatively, especially when you hit, like, Big Ten play or you hit, like, SEC play. Yep. You might hit, like, the Alabama, who's, like, a mm-hmm. brick wall. But then everyone else in your that you play mostly for the whole year mm-hmm. is all relatively the same. Yeah. And then, and then at that point you go, okay, then coaching is what gets you over the hump. You know, right. I wouldn't say Ohio State's depth was that much better than Michigan's. No. Even, like, I, I think actually Michigan might have been a little better right. through depth and players, mm-hmm. but you could just tell that scheme that Ohio State had just absolutely killed Michigan, and Michigan yep. had no answer. And you saw it, right? And you saw it. Right. Like, all these crossing patterns, and we just can't... We have the guys who can catch them, but, like... You just if you just switch your scheme around, you can right. stop it. And, and I think it's the same point, right, with the Michigan Michigan State game, right? Is yeah. that Michigan's strength this year was their front four, and Michigan State historically runs the ball very effectively, right? Yeah. They invest in the big men, they go get running backs that run hard between the tackles, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then they take shots downfield. And Michigan did a great job of stopping that, right? And exactly. and it's it's being able to coach your guys and put them in positions to succeed. I know it's a common theme here on this show, but it's at the end of the day it's it's very true, you know, and having and I think that's some of the frustration that us Michigan's fan have with Jim Harbaugh is this guy we've seen win in other places. He's won at Stanford. He won it won in San Francisco. And he's won in Michigan, but he hasn't won what you think he should win. And yeah. I think that's the problem is that you're getting all these quote unquote top talent, top recruits, but we're not turning into anything. That is the is the biggest problem. And I still don't think you figured out the quarterback situation. Which until you figure out a quarterback situation, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to be as competitive yeah. as you want to be. I mean, it's not. If we look at the finals of this, the final four of this year. Every single one of those teams that was in it at the very end had a top quarterback who could put it together. You know yes. what I mean? Like if we're really thinking, even the Notre Dame I was guy. Say, Notre Dame yeah, was but, like, but still though, that's right? The he was still in the right. Floor and he's he was still better way than, better than Shea Patterson. Yeah. I'll take him over Shea Patterson. And same question to you: Do you think that these do these class rankings even matter, or is it you know are you is it waiting? Let's see them on the field first because a lot of people really like this recruiting class and are. They get hyped up about these classes and go, oh my gosh, we got this guy, we got that guy. And everyone goes, all right, he's from Texas. I have no idea who the hell he is. I mean, it's one of those, like, it's it's not the rank, it's what you do with it kind of vibes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't know. In my opinion, it's up in the air. I mean, you want to see Michigan go to, a, Michigan go to a championship. We like the recruiting class, but they've had lots of good recruiting classes. Not, none of this is out of the ordinary. Right. So it's, it's going to take something after the recruiting mm-hmm. season mm-hmm. to push it. Into right. you know more of a absolutely more of a right right I think so and winning you know, place yeah because Michigan's the number one recruit a couple years ago with Rashawn Gary and look how that worked out he's gonna be the third overall pick probably oh my God. as long as he's not the eighth that's all I care about <laughs> <laughs> or wherever let our me, lines let me, are picking. let me tell you we're we're gonna definitely talk about this yeah but if he's there at eight I'm scared because we're definitely gonna take him it's gonna be the worst Mike 
I don't even want to approach that topic this episode because okay, I don't want to get angry sorry, this episode, sorry, okay? Sorry. That'll be a future episode for sure. But that's going to be it for episode 11. Once again, we are on Stitcher and TuneIn Radio now, so we will be there for your viewing pleasure. Obviously, this goes live Monday at 7 in the morning, and our YouTube goes live Wednesday at 7 in the morning. Please like, subscribe, and comment on all this stuff. And as always, we will see you next week.